following is a production of Word Alive Creative Arts. Welcome to the podcast of Word Alive International Outreach in Oxford, Alabama, an apostolic center for transformation and freedom. We pray today that you will be blessed and strengthened by this powerful message. I'm telling you, God's doing a new thing. Somebody shout a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the desert. We are definitely in a new day. We are definitely in a new era. I was so blessed last night by Isaac's message and blessed this morning by Kyle Searcy. The Lord is speaking to us and leading us and guiding us. I just want to give you a quick prophetic overview of what's continued to happen in Alabama and uh, different parts of the world just before I share a brief word with you today. But I will say this, prophecies are now being fulfilled. They're not coming, but prophecies are now being fulfilled. I want to show you just a three-minute video that Chuck released to us in October at a global conference we had gathered in Alabama, tell you briefly what's occurred since then, just to kind of give you a prophetic picture. I believe this uh, word Chuck released to us is very important for where we are right now. So if we could show that really quick, please. The Lord's saying, upon this rock I will build my church, my ecclesia. That was a term. It's, it's, it's governmental in its gathering aspect. And it's not a church the way we've made church. It's, it's, a, it's an incredible uh, dynamic of saying, I'll gather you so you rule in new ways. I will bring you into the fullness of this rule. I will cause you to understand this mystery that I'm prophesying right now as you keep moving forward today. I speak that over Alabama right now. I speak that over all of you listening that, that is out, that's out there on the web. You, the, the portal there is Alabama, but it's coming to you. You are going to be part of decoding this mystery still today, the mystery of the ecclesia. Now, I want to say this to you. We must start looking at our regions and how our ecclesias are gathering together, how we're relating to each other. We're at a place of promise. God's doing the same thing again. He's restoring this call to the ecclesia. Ed, I appreciate you and all of you that are there helping to restore this call to the ecclesia. I want to say to you, we are in an unfolding moment. Alabama, get ready to be unfolded. Get ready to advance. Get ready for your voice to be communicated. Get ready for your model to go forth. I send you forth into this new era. You are known. You're, you're, uh, the definition of Alabama is thicket clearing. I say right now out of Alabama, you will clear the thickets. You will cut through swamps. You will even cause highways to be reformed. You'll find ways to get 
to the fullness of God's plan right now. I send you forth into your next phase of fullness. I say let revelation rest on that state and let an unfolding of what needs to come, come. I say by the end of January, you're gaining your next steps for uh, the movement ahead. By April, you're stepping. And by November, you have said, here is a new model for this nation. And the expression of glory is coming. I say to you, there will be 10 curses fully broken across that state, representing generations that allowed an infiltration. This is is a day where the plumb line of God is coming down over Alabama and you will advance. I send you forth into a new manifestation of ecclesia based upon the words that were spoken at Caesarea Philippi. Take us into the future. I'm telling you, there's, there's fire on that word. What, and I'm telling you, Kyle, seriously this morning, we know Kyle's anointed, but I believe he's speaking under that anointing of Alabama this morning. There is a spirit of revelation that is being released. When Chuck released that word, I'll show you the next slide really quick. We had already been to all 67 counties. If you could put that slide up, the white and uh, black there, we just colored in the counties. So we, we toured all 67 counties. I explained that to you last time on our, on our journey. But as soon as Chuck released this word in January, he said it would form. Look at the next slide. In January, these are the apostolic hubs that formed in the state of Alabama. This is Kyle Searcy and I are part of this cohort that's formed in Alabama that's an apostolic hub. We're not a network. We're not forming networks. We're forming covenant relationships where God's turning the hearts of sons toward the fathers and fathers toward the sons. And there's something happening in Alabama that's coming to a kingdom fruition. And you see, just as Chuck had prophesied, that we would see apostolic hubs begin to form. We are now walking together, those stars, as the first fruits of apostolic hubs forming in the state of Alabama to bring forth God's purposes and plans, and we're excited about that. In the midst of this, Chief Justice Parker, next slide, had an encounter with a prophet, and the prophet prophesied the angel of Alabama, which is the angel of justice. And so in the last few months, the angel of justice has been released around the chief justice in the state of Alabama, and we say the gates of justice are beginning to open, and now we are beginning to move in this new era, in this new place, in this new season, and the wheels are starting to turn that will turn a state that will then begin to turn a nation. Can anybody shout glory for what's now being fulfilled? We've also stepped into uh, some more of Chuck's prophecies, aligning Alabama, Alaska, and Arizona. Next slide, please. This is where the Rolls in Alaska and the Welches in Arizona, James Nesbitt, Paul Keith Davis, and myself, along with Chuck, have stepped into Alaska. 
We've already accomplished that this past month. Then we're going to Arizona and then culminated in Alabama because we do believe that the states are beginning to align with their covenant rights and covenant promises. This isn't something that's going to happen. I'm telling you, this is something that's happening right now. Things are beginning to turn. The wheels are beginning to turn, and things are beginning to move. We're not looking for something that's coming. Actually, something is already upon us, and now it's time to step into it. So touch your neighbor and say, get ready and step into it today. Step into it today. Step into it. When Chuck began to minister about Passover this year in the threshing floor, I had been reading about Gideon and I thought it was very interesting. This one scripture jumped out at me in Judges 6, 11. It says, his son Gideon was beating wheat in the wine press instead of the threshing floor to hide it and save it from the Midianites. And I read that and I started meditating on it. And I said, Lord, what are you saying to me in this? And the Lord really spoke to me that said, Kent, you've been hiding in the anointing. My church has been hiding in the anointed, the wine press. We should be in the threshing floor, but we're hiding in the wine press, in the anointing. You see, Pentecost is a wilderness experience. Pentecost is a wilderness experience. That's not the promised land. As great as it is to be in the glory, as great as it is to have the gifts, as great as it is to have provision, as great as it is to have presence, it's not for us to wander around hiding in that. It's to empower us to step off and face our giants and begin to see the kingdom of God manifest itself in our spheres of influence. It's time to pass over and face off our giants. Jesus did not die to make us safe. It's time to come out of the hiding and the wine press. Quit, quit praying prayers, Jesus, make me safe. Start praying prayers, Jesus, make me dangerous. I don't want to play it safe. I ain't got time to play it safe. There ain't time to play it safe anymore. It's time to get out there where it ain't safe and say, God, make me dangerous to the enemy's kingdom. Make me dangerous to darkness. Make me dangerous to poverty. Make me dangerous to addiction. Come on. A global pandemic has produced a global reset. A global pandemic has produced a global reset. Listen, if you don't get any other thing from today, don't go home and do the same thing you've been doing anymore. Whatever it is, find something in the next few days. When you go home, start something, do something, move in a new way, start something new. Old things are passing away and new things are springing forth right now.
Now, I know I see things a bit different than a lot of folks. But, you know, we started all this during the pandemic. We started all this stuff about fighting for our rights. And I understand that. We we do have to fight for our rights. But I, I saw people stand up and say, why is the liquor store more essential than the church? Right, I heard it. Why is it that liquor store is more essential than the church? And, and I saw people rise up against that, but I took it as a personal rebuke from the Lord. Maybe, maybe, the, maybe the liquor store has become more essential than the church. I'm just asking myself that question. question. Is my church essential? Come on, Kent. Are we answering the ills of society or are we just consuming our way through life on spiritual stuff and doing nothing to shift or change our culture? If your church closed, would your community know you were gone? Maybe we should question, are we essential? Come on. Are we really moving as God would have us move? I believe the next move of God is not a movement in the church. It's a movement of the church. If you're waiting for God to move in the church, you're waiting on the wrong move. God's been moving in the church, but now God is about to move the church into a whole brand new place. You say, where is God moving us? He's moving us among the people. He's moving us outside the walls of our buildings. Jesus lives among those who are far from God. You want to find God? Hit the streets. Come on. Come on. If you want to find God, hit the streets. God lives among the people that are low, contrite, humble, and despised, the needy and the thirsty. God is calling us to go among the people and help them say yes Yes. to God. Don't say harvest is four months from now. Lift up your eyes and look and see. There is already white unto harvest. People are thinking more about mortality than they ever have through this pandemic. People are hungry right now. People are suffering from hopelessness and depression. And the church is hiding in the wine press. I'm here to prophesy we are coming out into the threshing floor. Some people in our tribe got excited during this time. They launched out and we started going into the strip clubs called Release Grace Ministries. They go in the strip clubs and they paint the uh, locker rooms and do manicures and pedicures. And they say, what in the world are you coming in here for? They said, because God loves you and he sent us in here to tell you he loves you and ministry. And now one by one by one by one by one, they're coming out. They're coming out and they're coming in. And God is releasing his spirit into darkness and we're seeing transformation in a powerful way. See, God's about to do some things we never thought he was going to do. Come on. I told this story in Alaska recently. That story I just told you. 
All of a sudden, a word of knowledge came. Said there was a girl named Rachel. God's calling you by name. There's a word of knowledge. There's a girl here in Alaska. We said your name's Rachel. God's calling you by name. She made her way to the front, said, I'm Rachel. Come to find out, she was a stripper. Had found her way to church and all of a sudden heard God loved a stripper and now another stripper serving. Come on, somebody. I said it's harvest time. We want to get so religious. Come on, come on. It's like the guy that came to church, you know, raggedy overalls and all, all underdressed and the church said to him, you know, we appreciate you being here, but we'd like, you know, you need to dress a little different if you're going to come here. Would you just pray and ask God, you know, to show you how to dress at church? So he went home, came back the next Sunday, same clothes. Oh, raggedy overalls. They said, we thought, the, we thought you told, you know, to pray the Lord to ask you what to wear to church. He said, I did. <laughs> they said, what did you pray? He said, God, what should I wear to that church down there? Said the Lord, said, I don't know. I've never been there. <laughs> Come on now. I'm telling you, God's about to move the church in a way we've not been moved before. There's a spirit of compassion. There's a spirit of love. There's a spirit of holiness. There's a spirit of grace about to move us in a brand new way. Broken people and broken cities do not need bigger churches. I'm going to say it again. Broken people in broken cities do not need bigger churches. There's 450 churches in my city. They don't need better church services. They need a new reality and an alternative story. Broken people in broken cities don't need culturally relevant churches. They need the church to show up beyond the building with hearts full of love and full of grace. We started stepping out into our city. We started raising up businesses in the inner city. We started chaplaining our sheriff's department. We started moving into schools as mentors, stepping into the harvest. We believe that God is showing us. It so inspired our mayor. He started wanting to meet with us and pray with us, the mayor of our city. Eventually, the mayor, our mayor asked me, Kent, tell us about that Holy Spirit stuff y'all talk about. I said, well, I can tell you what I know about it. He said, how do you get it? I said, I guess I can lay my hands on you and you get it. I laid my hands on him. The power of God hit him. He said, I got to go. He said, I feel like I'm undone. He walked out of my church. Ten minutes later, I got a text. He said, Kent, what in the world just happened to me? I lifted up the eyes to the sky to say something to God, and it sounded like Navajo Indians talking through me. I'm talking about it's harvest time. When mayors of our cities start getting filled with the Holy Ghost and when legislation starts getting filled with the Holy Ghost, I'm telling you, it's about to break out. The dream of God over our lives is not that we become a believer and help out the local church. 
The dream of God over our life is that we become alive in his presence and bring life to every environment we go to, spilling contagious hope into hurting humanity. While things are happening, a friend of mine I've connected with, Chris Burns, is leading the movement in New Orleans called Jesus in a Bar. Leading worship in a bar called Saints and Sinners, where once a month they lead worship at second story while they're partying on the first story. And people party and find their way to the second story. They're getting saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, and water baptized in a bar. Dr. Pat, Dr. Dalton Smith from our church that spoke here on rest just now, her Sabbath rest, her book she wrote has now become curriculum for the CDC in Atlanta. The Center of Disease and Control is teaching Sabbath rest as curriculum on how to make people healthy. Wow. Wow. Somebody shout, the harvest is here. I heard of a CEO recently who set up a white chair in his office. He calls it the Jesus chair. Anytime he needs wisdom, he gets in his office, in the high tower, sits and prays to a white chair. People say, what are you doing? He said, I'm talking to my Jesus chair. They said, what is that? He said, anytime I need wisdom. They had a big meeting. They were about to do a multi-million dollar deal, and he knelt at that Jesus chair, and Jesus said, that's not the right deal. Gave him all the logistics of the underneath math that wasn't working, that that they didn't see. He went in that board meeting. They were all ready to sign the documents. He said, we can't do it. They said, why? He said, "Uh, Jesus told me. (laughs) They're like, Jesus told you. Sure enough, they released a forensic accounting and found out exactly what Jesus had said was exactly what the deal would have brought in destruction. He said the next day they were lined out inside of his office saying, would you please let me kneel at that Jesus chair? I got to find me some wisdom like... We thought we were limiting Jesus to the church. He's ready to go to bars, strip clubs, boardrooms, governmental offices. Jesus is ready to get the harvest in. Crisis changed the way the early church functioned, and I believe it's changing us now. The church was never supposed to be a once a week experience. It was supposed to be a 24-7 mobile arcs of the covenant yes. roaming the streets of neighborhoods with the agency in every neighborhood in society. It says in Acts 4, 8 and 4 and 8, although the believers were scattered by persecution, they preached the wonderful news of the word of God. Wherever they went, Philip travailed or traveled to Samaritan city and preached to them wonderful news of the anointed one. Crowds were eager to receive Philip's message, were persuaded by miracles, wonders he performed. Demon-possessed people set free and delivered. Evil spirits came out with streaks. And many who were lame and paralyzed were healed. The result was an uncontainable joy that filled the whole city. I'm prophesying to you. God's not just interested in filling our churches with joy. He's ready to fill entire cities with the joy of what's happening in the kingdom of God. It says everyone preached to everybody everywhere. One of our crew that's a bodybuilder owns a gym. This, this two weeks ago, he stood up in his gym 
crowds of people there working out right there in the gym, the Holy Spirit said, get your shofar and blow it. Now, these aren't believers. He stood up in that gym, blew the shofar, scared him. One guy said, what the hell was that? You know, it's like the whole thing, sound filled the gym. Next thing you know, people got saved, healed, delivered in the gym. Come on, somebody. In the gym, blowing a shofar. Let the sound of the Lord permeate the earth of God's delivering power. Let me get a good move quick. The problem is not that we don't have enough. The problem is we're not giving away what we have. The problem is not that you don't have enough. The problem is we're not giving away what we actually have. We're sitting in the wine press instead of the threshing floor waiting for God to do something else where God's already done about all he's going to do. Now it's time for you and I to move with God and see what power is actually on the inside of us. He came to Gideon and said, you are a mighty man of valor. See, I think it's time we move past our fears. I call it the scarecrow principle. Every fruitful field has a scarecrow. What's, what's that for? Is to keep from coming to get the harvest. God, will, God, you will normally have a scarecrow in the field that you're called to that's trying to keep you out of that field because it's trying to make you afraid. Now, y'all know I ain't got much education, and you know I don't know much of the Bible. But what I do know, I talk about. <laughs> you talking about moving past fear? I just got saved. Chuck, I saved six months sitting on a platform with Pastor Benny Hens Church. Didn't know what in the world I was doing. He had TV, you know, and stuff going by, and he'd say, turn to the book of Amos. And I'm like, Amos? Like, where in the world is Amos? You know, in the... TV camera on you, be like, I was in like Genesis. <laughs> TV camera, about like, Amos. I mean, I just didn't know a lot. All of a sudden, one night, he got up and he started speaking in the spirit, speaking in tongues. About ten minutes, I thought was unusual. Went to his wife Suzanne, spoke to her for my. She's about to interpret this. It's going to be powerful. She came up to me. She said, "Benny said the Lord forbid him to speak in English, and you're to interpret." I've been saved six months. I don't know where the book of Amos is. I ain't I never prophesied in my life. My first thought, just don't pee yourself. You know, it's just like <laughs> 2,000 people. You're like, what in the world? <laughs> Benny grabs me by the hand, takes me out in that 2,000 auditorium, speaking in tongues, gets me in front of some people and says, uh-huh. I was like, well, I've heard people do it. Thus saith the Lord seems a good starting point. (laughs) I said, thus saith the Lord, and nothing. So I just started making up stuff, right? Like I see on a bus, and you're traveling, and, you know, you got a suitcase, and your favorite color is blue, and, you know, and, 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 and people are like, 
and I'm thinking Benny will realize, you know, I don't have that gift. And he'll get him another horse and ride to that stable. You know, and, oh, no, uh, he just dropped that couple, took me to another one. Speaking in tongues, got, <clears throat> I bet you I went through a dozen people butchered, every one of them looking at me like, what in the world are you saying to me? And all I can tell you is I died like a thousand deaths. I mean, humiliated, like just, and, and, and all of a sudden, after just pure humiliation and just, you know, just got to almost the end of myself and thinking, Lord, how mercy, this is the most humiliating experience in my life. After we burned through about a dozen of them, finally, all of a sudden, he spoke in tongues and something hit me and I started, pro- I started prophesying. And I'm going to tell you what, that was 35 years ago and I hadn't stopped prophesying. I hadn't stopped prophesying ever since. Sooner or later, you got to pass, face your giant, break through your fear, step out in there and start moving like God wants you to move. You won't prophesy till you prophesy. You won't deliver anybody till you deliver somebody. You won't heal the sick till you heal the sick. Get out of the wine press and jump into the threshing floor. We have a fear of losing our faith instead of sharing it. Wow. Wow. We're sitting around the wine press worried about losing our faith instead of sharing our faith. But you know what we're actually afraid of? We're actually afraid of people seeing who we actually are. We're painfully aware of our weaknesses, our imperfections, our failures. We wonder, how can I talk about the night and day difference Christ makes in a life when at times mine is such a mess? We think if I ever get my mess straight, then I can help someone else. But you know what? It never happens. Because you ain't ain't never going to get all your mess straight. I'm just telling you, somebody sat beside you, they got some mess straight, but they ain't got all their mess straight. I'm going to tell you that right now. And if you're waiting for all your mess to get straightened out before you start helping somebody else, you ain't ever going to help nobody else. But God told me, I'm going to take messages. I'm going to take messes, and I'm going to make messengers of power out of people in messes. And I'm going to raise up armies like David of broke, defeated, discouraged, messed up people. And I'm going to use them to bring in the mightiest harvest that the earth has ever seen. Touch your neighbor and tell them I qualify. I don't have anything to sell, just something to share. I'm not selling Jesus. I'm not selling on the quality of my behavior. I'm just sharing with what he's actually done in my life. Paul said, have Christ set apart as Lord in your heart, being ready to give an answer to anyone who asks about the hope you possess. We thought that was a, a... exegesis of the Bible of being able to contend for the faith. It's not called a book of thoughts. It's called a book of acts. 
I don't have to give you a discourse theologically of who Jesus is and how he got here. All I can tell you is I can testify right in the midst of my mess. I got hope in my heart because I have experienced the love of God being poured out in my heart through the Holy Ghost. My children might be suffering. My money might be lacking. But I got hope in my heart because of the Holy Ghost. Somebody shout, I got hope. Here's what the Lord told me in the pandemic. Isaiah 58, tell my people what the problem is. You're busy, busy, busy. Doing worship and religious things. And you love having me on your side. But you pray and I don't answer. You pray, and I don't answer. And you say, why do we pray and you don't answer? He said, because doing worship and religious things as a compensation for your disobedience is not what gets the job. Listen, church is no longer going Sunday, warming a pew, giving a tithe, and doing some worship, thinking you're obeying the Lord. That's not obeying the Lord. That kind of stuff won't even get your prayers off the ground. Is this not the fast I've chosen? Loose the bonds of injustice. Undo heavy burdens. Let the oppressed go free. Break every yoke. Share your food with the hungry. Bring to your house the poor that are cast out. When you see somebody naked, cover them. Make yourself available to your own family. When you do that, your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. You will call, I will answer. He will say, here am I. Sitting in church every week, worshiping a God, talking about how powerful he is and not denting darkness. We got to get out of the church. Listen, I'm not saying that gathering, gathering is very important. And we've been good at that. But just as we've been good at gathering, now we got to get good at going. Where two or three are gathered in his name. There he is. I'm seeing more miracles at gas stations, hotel lobbies, restaurants, where God shows up wherever somebody is hurting. I was just last week at a hotel, a beautiful lady was making breakfast, everybody hobbling around with a bad back. I'm standing there, and my religious ways would have been, you know, we'll eat my breakfast and go on about my busy life. Why, I got important kingdom business. Holy Spirit said, you better get over there. You better bless her with some money and heal her back. I slipped in that kitchen with everybody wondering what in the world I was doing. That woman in the kitchen, I slipped in there with her. I said, honey, let me bless you. I gave her a $100 bill. She said, what in the world is that? I said, Jesus sent me to you. She started crying. I put my hands on her. The power of God hit her in that kitchen. Come on, somebody. This is the harvest.
I said this, we're, we're passing the harvest every day on the way to church. On the way to worship, says there was somebody sitting there, crippled. They were on the way. How many, how many on the way people are we passing by on the way to worship? When they stop, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, rise up. Listen, quit going to church to hear a story. Start coming to church with a story. God used me this week. God healed somebody through me this week. God. Hallelujah. Lord told us to do something radical. I'm not saying this is what everybody's do. I'm just saying everybody needs to do something different. So we basically, at our place in Alabama, we've stopped going to church every week. We go once a month. We go Friday night, Saturday morning, Saturday night, and Sunday morning. Friday night, we worship radically. We get to hold the presence of God. Saturday morning, we go to the streets. We take our worship teams to street corners. And we got a Jim Bain, a guitar, and a worshiper on every corner we can find and worshiping in our city, just saying, we're getting out of the church. We're going to take the presence of God to the city. Awesome. Awesome. We're in Walmart parking lot praying for the sick. On, we're doing transformational projects, building handicap wraps, and doing something for the poor. We're just saying we want to get in the harvest. I'm not saying it's a way to do it. I understand it's what we're doing. And then just my thinking was, I got tired of trying to come, come up with something new every week. <laughs> I mean, I'm preaching every week. Everybody wants to hear something new. I mean, I've been there 20 years. I already told them everything I know about God. Well, I mean, what else am I going to come up with? Sooner or later, we got to quit sitting and listening and get a hold of what we already got and get out there and make it happen. And I heard people, you know, come to me, well, pastor, we can't do that. Forsake not the assembling of yourself together. <laughs> Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. <laughs> Let me tell you a truth. If you think sitting in a church service is assembling together, you're deceived. Say that, say that. I just bought my, house, my wife a little greenhouse. She's like, Pam, she loves plants. They shipped it to me in a box with 99 pieces and 126 pages of instructions. <laughs> Three days later with two hired helpers. I'm trying to assemble <laughs> a greenhouse. You can't throw 99 parts in a room and think it's assembled. You gotta find out where your spot is. You gotta get some instruction. You gotta let somebody put you together. You got to find out what authority and submission is and let God assemble his people. And when we do, we're gonna have a spiritual house that can not be stopped. Somebody jump on your feet and shout with me today.
Keep standing. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. You say, Kit, that, what if it don't work? I'll blame it on COVID. <laughs> but I ain't going to sit by and miss an opportunity like Ozzy was talking about last night, doing nothing new when God keeps saying, I'm doing something new. I'm saying, even if it's wrong, if you step out in faith, God's going to honor our obedience to step into the harvest. Then, then somebody said, what are you going to do with this big old building? I said, we're going to serve the poor. Come on. So what did we do? Last week, we fed 750 hot meals right out of our church facility. We're opening up a detox, a medical detox in the church so that drug addicts can get medically detoxed even if they don't have insurance. We're starting to teach GED classes in job placement. Why? We're saying the harvest is here. We're getting out of the wine press and we're getting in the threshing floor. So I just stretch my hands towards you today and I say in the name of Jesus... We break off all fear and intimidation. We refuse to allow the enemy to keep us hiding in a wine press when it's harvest time. I commission you as the ecclesia of God to go as a mobile Ark of the Covenant 24-7 in your sphere of influence releasing signs and wonders and miracles and healings as you step into the harvest. I say now you're commissioned to step in to this new place in Jesus' name. Come on, shout. This has been a presentation of Word Alive International Outreach, 122 Allendale Road, Oxford, Alabama. Reach us by phone at 256-831-5280 or at our website, wordalive.org. This has been a production of Word Alive Creative Arts.